Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 62 of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt and I'm here with my brother Micah and we're here to tell you all about AEW Dynamite. Hello. We're not going to have this day in wrestling history today because I'm going to be recording NXT immediately when we finish this. So I will have this day in wrestling history on that show. So tune in. And we'll get to hear it. We're going to jump right into Dynamite because we've got a lot to go over. Actually, before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to Rain from WWE What If. You can follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter at WWE underscore What If, and on YouTube at WWE What If. I just want to say how much we appreciate Rain. This week has been very difficult for uh, myself, Kyle, and Chris. We've all had a very busy week. And as you all know, this isn't our full-time job. We all have full-time jobs. Uh, this is our full-time job. You guys would have a lot more content, but the reality is we can't, you know, do it constantly. So Rain was able to step in and she was able to do raw for us this week. And I told her how much I appreciate, you know, the fact that when we aren't able to do a show, we have someone talented that we can ask to do it for us. And I want to see how much we appreciate it. I also want to say, how much of a breath of fresh air that she is. And my wife actually said that. So Rain, you can thank B-Dubs, my beautiful wife, Carol, because she gave this week's Raw an A. And again, I want to say how much we appreciate Rain and how much I like Rain, but she is such a positive person. If I would have, if, if I would have graded Raw this week, at best, it would have gotten a D plus at best. So maybe I'm cynical, Okay, I know I'm cynical, but yes, uh, I just think it's so funny that we have such different perspectives. So, <laughs> Rain, we, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for stepping in. I can't wait for you to do another episode on your own, for you to be on another episode with us. Uh, and one last time, I know I've said it a couple times, we appreciate you. So, show opens in Nashville, Tennessee. i tell you a little bit about what you're going to see. You're going to see the Dark Order versus Jurassic Express. That's Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. Nyla Rose is in action. They do not announce who she's wrestling, so you know it's a jobber. <laughs> You've got Pack versus Hangman Page. You've got Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara against SCU, which is Frank Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, for the tag team titles to see if Chris Jericho can become the double champion. And they also announce John Moxley in action so we go backstage and there's a little promo about kenny omega and he's shown he's got a black eye he's got cuts all over his back he looks like he's been through war and he kind of has if you've seen full gear you know it was a it was a big issue he got lots and lots of cuts and he's there to see the doctor and riho and michael nakazawa who are two of his friends you know he's obviously very good friends with Riho he tags with her at intergender matches across the pond and Michael Nakazawa is his training partner and so he asks the doctor if he can wrestle and the doctor says no Kenny I'm sorry maybe in a week or two but right now I just can't clear you and Kenny says how about Mox and the doctor says he was pretty beat up too he 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 really had a hard time but He's going to get to wrestle tonight. And Kenny took it really hard, and he turns around and walks away like a sad puppy. And it shows Michael Nakazawa and Riho who are concerned for him. And then we go, and you hear Mox's music. 
and he's heading to the ring for the crowd. And I'm so glad he does this. And Michael Nakazawa, excuse me, I got to do it right. Michael Naka 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 Nakazawa is in the ring. And so, uh, so I guess I, I should say that John Moxley didn't announce who was wrestling. So I guess it kind of tells you where Michael Nakazawa is in the pecking order. This match lasted five minutes, maybe. It starts with Michael Nakazawa with the baby oil in his hand. Then he tosses it because he's really angry. He attacks John Moxley, who basically just destroys him immediately. And uh, that's pretty much it. What did you like? Can you tell me what you, anything about this match that jumped out at you? Well, I did time it because I was curious. The match lasted one minute and 20 seconds. Oh, um, yeah, it was. Oh, boy. It was pretty bad. There was just a few punches, a clothesline, and he got him in the corner. And then he gave him the paradigm shift, and, and that was it. Um, there's not really anything to this match at all to talk about, really. This was really more of a segment and more of a promo for Moxley. Yeah. Because as, as soon as the match was over, and I mean, I can't tell you if the match was good or not because nothing happened. I mean, it was fine. And I, I will tell you that as it happened, I looked over to my beautiful wife and I said, this is how you do a jobber match. Because you take an established star, you give them a little bit of offense, and your bigger star crushes them in no time. Moxley now looks like a superstar, and Michael Nakazawa doesn't look any worse because he got defeated by the arguably the biggest star in the company. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's, yeah, it's perfectly fine. No issue. After it's over, he grabs the mic, and Mox says, that that one counted, right? Which got a big pop. That's great. He says Kenny Omega is a radical son of a gun, but he doesn't say gun. And he says, you know what, though? I respect you, Kenny. And he says, but if anyone else wants to challenge me, they better kiss their family goodbye. You know what? There's no one with the balls that will come out and wrestle me. And then he goes on a little bit of a rant. It was a good, it was a pretty good promo. It wasn't the best one he's done, but it was pretty good. And uh, he leaves. What did you think of this whole this whole thing? Did you like the promo? So the promo was okay. I think the whole opening of the show would have been more impactful without the jobber match. I don't think it was necessary. I like that it adds to his record because I don't think that the last match shouldn't have counted. I think that that should have been a win to him, especially since they're trying to build him up. And he hasn't really had that many matches in AEW because of his injury. Um, I don't, it's, it's maybe nitpicky, but he was, he was saying that nobody in the dressing room has the balls to step up to him, but Michael Nakazawa just did. Yeah, I know. I thought that too. I'm like, wait a second. But Nakazawa's wrestling you right now. I'm like, this yeah, this middling so guy just faced you. I mean, that's kind of a contradiction. But yeah, it's, maybe that's being nitpicky. Um, the the promo was good. Uh, it's, I mean, I haven't seen a bad. Well, I take that back. I have seen a bad promo on AEW, but I haven't seen one out of John Moxley yet. He he's always good. I mean, if if you give a guy that knows how to make a promo the reins and don't just script something completely for him, you get stuff like this. You know, you get. You get good promos. So, yeah, I think the promo is good. I think it would have been better without the squash match, but it did add to his record. So, Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. The issue with the squash match is that was just one of two in the first hour of AEW. So if this is – I think that if this would not have opened the show, it would have been great. Yeah, I can but see that. it was kind of a weak opening. And I will tell you that I also watched NXT this week. And, again, you can listen to me on the NXT episode tomorrow – or. Later tonight, maybe if I can get it up, if I can get it uploaded. But the reality is, um, this was going up against Angel Garza versus Leo Rush, and that match was incredible. 
And this was happening at the same time. Moxley is a way bigger star, but what was happening wasn't nearly as important as NXT's opening. So it didn't actually matter in the ratings. Um, AEW's ratings went up this week. NXT's went down. I don't have the actual numbers, but the gap grew wider. So, again, I don't want to get into the Wednesday Night War. That's not what this podcast is about. But I would like to see more hot openings. But, again, AEW almost always does. So I think this was a little bit of a miss. It was fine, but it shouldn't have opened the show. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, AEW was actually at 9.57. NXT was at 7.50. So not bad for either one. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was, I mean, they were they both did good. Last week, though, I think AEW only beat NXT by like 15,000 or something like that. Yeah, it was close. So, yeah, it was really, really close. So we're going to move forward. We're going to go, we got Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson versus yep. Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. It's just Grayson now. It is? You didn't notice that? Yeah, they introduced him as Grayson, and then JR made a jab about him losing his first name. That's pretty great. No. Oh, that's like one of my nitpick things in WWE. <laughs> I know it is. Which Stu's a oh, stupid name. Oh, no. Oh, no. His name's Stu, but yeah. Please don't let the, oh, no. Oh, my heart hurts now. Like, I don't really care. Grayson is fine. They just dropped an entire letter grade now. <laughs> I mean, that really bothers me. I hate it when they take first names away from people. Makes no sense at all. Fine, whatever. I'm not going to rant into I've ranted about it before on my WWE shows, but yeah, that's dumb. I don't like that. I think Moving it also bothered JR because he got that jab in there. He was talking about, uh, I think you're talking about how, how distraught he looked in the ring, and JR said it's probably because he lost his first name. <laughs> JR's funny, man. He doesn't hold anything back, and sometimes that's a detriment to the company. It, it is. Some, but when he's good, he's great, man. It, yeah. That's the thing about JR. He has some issues, but when he's good, he's 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 great. I mean, he's he's my favorite on commentary when he's when he's yeah. doing it. Yeah, one of the best of all time. So this match was was good. I'm not a big fan of the Dark Order. Again, I, I don't I don't I love the performers. I just don't really like their gimmick. But I've said that before, and I don't want to hold that against them. So this was this was fine. The match was very interesting because they. Basically beat up Marco Stunt almost the whole time, which makes sense. He's the smallest competitor. But it, it was kind of fun. I, there wasn't really anything in this match that really jumped out at me that was great. There was one spot where Marco Stunt tried to you know jump on the rope three different times. And then on the third one, he, he missed it. But it's okay because Grayson, Stu Grayson, just stood there and decided, that's all right, you can climb up to the top and hit me. That's exactly what happened. So that's nitpicky. I understand that there's going to be botches, but I don't know. I feel like you need to hide it a little better than that. I will say Jurassic Express is my favorite tag team. Yeah. Like they they are. I, I, I like Marco's stunt. I think he does good. I don't love him and Jungle Boy together. Uh, Luchasaurus is my favorite uh, in AEW right now. Um, I don't think Marco and Jungle Boy work great together because both of them are smaller guys. And I think it kind of, Marco being so small overshadows the fact that Jungle Boy is an athletic small person because Marco is so small and so just throw himself in around the ring. But, Makes uh, sense. I, uh, I, I, I like them paired with Luchasaurus. I didn't love this match. I didn't love the Dark Order going into this match. I, I did like them better in this match than I have previously. Going into the promo afterwards, I, I like 
that they're actually finally building a story with the Dark Order. So many people don't like the Dark Order, but they don't have any story or anything to build on. They're just two guys in, right. in mat or one guy in a mask and a guy in face paint for all we know. Um, they're really doing a lot, I think, to establish the Dark Order. They are, they've are they changed the gear for not only uh, Grayson and, and Uno, but they've uh, changed the gear for the Creepers as well. So they look a little bit less like spooky perverts and more like uh, like foot soldiers or something, you know, from like Ninja yeah. Turtles. Um, I, I, I don't love the Dark I mean, I guess the Dark Order had to win because they're trying to put them over, but... Jungle Express is the most over tag team in the company, in my opinion, other than the champions. But as far as they like haven't, the lower, won a, haven't won a match yet, they haven't won yet. I mean, they've. They, I guess I like the story they're telling of you know they can't win without Luchasaurus, but uh, I I don't I don't know. I I think I don't know that I love the matchup for this week, the Dark Order versus Jungle Express. I think maybe they should have had had Jungle Express over on another team. But I think we'll see some more wins coming up because of the next segment that we see. Yeah. So basically, after it's over, Uno offers a mask to Marco Stunt and gets in the microphone, and he says, Listen, I can really make you something, boy. Why don't you become one of us? And so he was he was contemplating it. And so Jungle Boy gets in... Uno's face, and he like, you know, prevents Marco from taking the mask because he did kind of reach for it. And then they beat the snot out of both of them. And then you hear their music play, and Luchasaurus comes out. And all of the little, I can't remember what they're called, the Heartless creepers. is what they used to be called. Yeah, the Creepers. All the Creepers come out, and they get destroyed by Luchasaurus. And he right. comes in the ring, and Evil Uno jumps out of the ring. Stu Grayson, I'm going to keep calling him Stu. Stu Grayson gets destroyed by Luchasaurus. And Jungle Boy comes up and gets on Luchasaurus' shoulders. Marco Stunt gives his mask to Luchasaurus. I'm assuming because he was ashamed for almost taking the other mask. And Luchasaurus gives it right back to him. And they're all happy now because Daddy Saurus is back. Yeah, they called Marco Stunt Baby Saurus on commentary. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious. I uh I I just thought it was really nice to see a choke slam in AEW. There's I don't know of anybody else on the roster that so many really, small wrestlers that so. can do it. I mean I guess maybe Jake Hager, but we haven't even seen him really wrestle. No, uh. but uh, it was it's nice. I like I like Luchasaurus. The fact that he's somebody that can do a choke slam, but also do a standing moonsault and a kip up after just having a hamstring injury. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, super talented. I uh I like I like that they built the Dark Order up a little bit. I like Luchasaurus is back. He's my favorite thing in AEW, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Have you seen the Being the Elite that mimics Toy Story? Yes. We'll push this dinosaur who's it's more over than our whole roster. And yeah, he is, and he's not even been on TV hardly at all. It's hilarious. It's very, very good. So we've got uh, we got something weird next, and I want to know what you think of it. So the lights go out. Sean, um, I said, oh, it's Sean Spears, and I was correct. And Sean comes out with this awesome music and totally Blanchard. And then we have the picture-in-picture, picture, and you see Peter Avalon come out. And Leva Bates is with him, and he's doing the shh. And he's not cutting a promo, but then after the picture-in-picture picture goes off, after the commercial ends, 
he starts to talk, and he just kind of rambles for a few seconds. I don't even remember what he said, but it didn't really connect with anything. Like, he just basically talked a little bit about the city, and then Darby Allen's music hits. And so I thought, all right, so it's Sean Spears and Peter Avalon, which is a weird team, versus Darby Allen and, I don't know, maybe Joey Janela, because Joey Janela was, you know, just feuding with Sean Spears. No, it's a triple threat match. And it was... <laughs> It was a little weird. What did you think of it? I, I didn't like it, personally. Yeah. I don't like Peter Avalon. I don't like his character. I don't not dislike him as a person, obviously, but I don't like the librarian character. Um, he came out and he said something about Jason Aldean or something, and then... Yeah. yeah. He was like, in Nashville, who's known for Jason Aldean, boo, and Johnny Cash, yay! And, and then Darby Allen's music hits. Like, and then he was happening? like, and well, he t- I think the ref was trying to, I think Aubrey Edwards was trying to just shut him up, and he's like, oh, I gotta shut up now or something? And I, I sh- it, it was it was, it was awkward. It was, <laughs> it an was awkward really moment. weird. Yeah, it was a really weird moment. But when I saw that Peter Avalon was in the match, I was like, okay, he's getting the pin. Of course. I don't like seeing that in a match. I don't like knowing, hey, this is the guy that's getting the pin. Right. This is the guy that's going to win. Um, AEW well, pretty AEW, good. They've done yeah. a good job about not making it obvious. Like WWE, it's often very obvious. But it was pretty obvious tonight, especially in this first hour, who's getting the pin. Yeah, it was. I um, I thought Sean Spears would do something because he's not nearly as over as Darby Allen. Darby Allen is ridiculously over right now. Right. Um, but then Janela comes in and just takes him out of the match like a minute and a half in, maybe not even yeah. a minute and a half in. Oh, I I, I also uh, I, I measured this match. It was four minutes. So yeah. I argue that it's also a squash match. Um, yeah, not a Kinda total did. squash match. But uh, so Janela comes in as Jr. said he had a seizure for the camera. I mean, <laughs> and he was and, wearing like pigtails. Yeah, and then he just they just leave and. I guess this goes on Sean Spears' win loss record. I, I don't. It does. Really know. So Sean Spears does get a loss in the overall I, record for this. And George Nella basically knocked him over the end of the crowd, and they go off into the crowd, and they don't even show him anymore. Yeah, and they also mentioned that triple threat matches don't have DQs, which is stupid because that's normal. Would, that's how WWE does it too. Is it? Then yeah. why weren't there any chairs involved? <laughs> you know, you think if it's no well, that's DQ. the thing. Like I've always thought that I'm like, okay, if there's no DQs in a in a three way match, then why don't you just bring a sledgehammer to the ring with you? Like, yeah, I, bring a knife. I mean, go, bring a gun. Especially yeah. Darby Allen. You know, you exactly. Can pull, a, pull awesome Kong and bring a knife to the ring. Yeah, um, Darby showed off some of his his great moves. He pulled like a great I don't know if you call it a stunner. Jr. called it a stunner. I don't think that's correct, but yeah. And he uh, he transitioned into the coffin drop, and that ended it. Like I said, in four minutes. Um, I love that this, the, the, uh, afterwards, you know, he picks up the mic. Oh, it's he so just, good. He just says, John Moxley, I accept, the drops crowd, the mic and walks No, no, out. no, that's not what happened. All he said was John Moxley and yeah. the crowd went nuts. I mean, they flipped out and my beautiful wife said, that's all he needs to say. I said, exactly. no, wait for it. He's going to say one more thing. And he said, I accept. And Carol and I both had this huge pop because we love Darby Allen and obviously we love Moxley. And so yeah, it was the crowd is going insane. So as far as star building, and I think we should probably do a round table on this. And I actually probably should probably make a note of that because every time I say we should do a round table, I always forget about it. But I think AEW has an issue creating stars. And I think that's what this first hour was about. And we'll get to it at the end of the first hour. I want to talk a little more deeply into it, but we've got one more match to go through first. But AEW has created two stars so far. 
They've created Darby Allen and Riho. And those are two non-WWE, non-elite people that get huge reactions. And that's about it. I mean, the other guys get big reactions, but they get huge reactions no matter what. So I think that uh, uh, AEW is trying to build more stars. And I think that's why this first this first hour had some really lackluster matches. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to play the Darby Allen-Moxley match if it's going to be an unsanctioned match. They can't keep going with that unsanctioned match. It's on TV, too. They can't do as much. Yeah. um, Man, if they just had a regular match, it would be good. I mean, it doesn't have to even be a hardcore match. It would be kind of disappointing if it wasn't. Um, Maybe it could lead to a a series of matches between the two. Uh, It's going to be great. I I wish that was on the show that we're going to because that that might be match of the year contender. Yeah, it's going to be great. I also saw somebody say uh, they're going to take take bets on who's going to lose an ear on that match. <laughs> oh, my go, gosh. It's going to go mm. pretty crazy. Mm. So after that, we have Nyla Rose versus – I didn't notice if they announced her name. She's listed here as Danny Jordan. They did. But she is not an AEW signed wrestler, so she is a jobber. Nyla Rose beat her. Did you time this one? One minute, 35 seconds. Yeah. Okay. This is the last match. Well, there's one more segment before the first hour is over, so we'll get to that first. But yeah, Nala Rose destroys Danny Jordan. There's literally nothing to talk about here. She clobbered her and moved on. Did a power bomb, and that was it. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, it wasn't awful. That's not fair to say. But it's like when the Viking Raiders destroy jobbers on Raw. It's like, okay, the moves are cool, but it's unnecessary. Now, it's a little more acceptable on Dynamite because we don't know these people yet. But... We had essentially three in the first hour, but we'll get to that in a second after we talk about this next segment. And they've got to be building to an awesome Kong Nyla Rose feud, right? No, that's that's not what they're going to. Nope. Nope. So we move on and Tony Schiavone is interviewing Allie. Actually, that's not true. Before that, we had uh, a clip shown of Jake Hager, who was attacking Dustin Rhodes. And uh, we get an update that says Dustin will be back in three or four weeks. He will not be able to return to the ring before that. It's entirely possible he'll be back next week. I don't know if that's kayfabe or if that's legit. <laughs> yeah. Then we get something called the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale. And I every, it's well documented. I love Battle Royals, so I'm looking forward to this. But it says the final two men in the match will meet in singles competition the next week to obtain the Dynamite Dozen ba- Diamond Ring or something like that. So, I, I, first of all, a heel's winning it. Why in the world would a face... I mean, what would be the point? But if a heel wins it, are they going to be like, are they going to walk around and look at their prize? Like, I don't understand what's happening. But again, this is something that old school wrestling did because they did have tournaments for prizes back in the day. So I'm going to allow it because most of what AEW's done that I've questioned, most of it, not all of it, most of it has turned out to be pretty good. So I'm going to allow it, but it is a little weird, isn't it? Yeah, I honestly, if MJF's in it, uh, we're gonna know he's gonna win. He and has just, to win. It, yeah. You can imagine MJF walking around, showing off the ring, talking about how great he is. He beat eleven men in the ring. Blah blah blah. I, I don't know how the ending is gonna play off because are you just gonna have two men standing in the ring and like, okay, well, I guess we go home now. You know, at, right? It's it's gonna be probably MJF, and he's probably just gonna attack the person that's there and walk out. So yeah, I guess it'll be all right. It's going to be, I, I would I would guess, MJF. I mean, he may not even be He would be, be the perfect him. person for it yep. because he is full-blown jerkwad heel. Absolutely. Like that, that's, that's the PG way to say it. Like, he's a jerkwad. 
and I don't really know anyone else on the run. I mean, like Sean Spears is a clear heel, but like, I just don't see his character caring about something like that. What's he going to do? Have totally like shine his ring. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It could be Wardlow, which we'll talk about later, but I guess, I guess. So Tony Schiavone is chatting with Allie and she's like, yeah, I've been doing good on AEW dark, but I want to show what I can do on dynamite. And as she's talking, the Tron in the background uh, shows candles, and my wife's asking me questions about Allie, and I said, I don't care. Awesome Kong's about to come out, because I'm an Awesome Kong mark. And so she said, how do you know? And I said, the candles. And then the lights go out. And then Awesome Kong and Brandy come out, and they beat the snot out of Allie. Uh, Brandy cuts Allie's hair, and then Awesome Kong puts it on her little belt. And she she is, like, swinging around this knife. What kind of knife was it? A karambit. Yeah, so it it looked really cool, but at the same time, if it's real, which I assume it is because it just cut Allie's hair, it looks real. I'm like, this is this is a little dangerous to be doing, like right here by the front row. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not loving the idea of bringing knives in the world of wrestling, but you know, no, <laughs> not either. But Triple H uses a sledgehammer and uses his hand. He covers up the blow with his hand, which is he the stupid thing in the world. Dumb. It's so dumb. So, I mean, you know, but yeah, it was, it, I don't know, man. Like I, I just, I love Awesome Kong so much. I, lo- I really like Brandy, but it's just so weird that this is Cody's wife. And so we're sitting there and like, he's going home to this weird voodoo lady now. Like, I don't know. It, it's, I feel yeah. like this would be done so much better if they would have brought in like Rosemary from TNA or really any, anybody else. But I'm glad they're giving Brandy something to do. I like Brandy, so I don't want to judge it too much, but it's just a little strange to me. It's just a drastic character change when Cody is still very clearly her husband. And the baby face of the company. And right. his wife's a voodoo woman. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't love that. Yeah, that's weird. So we're an hour into the show, and here's what's happened. We had John Moxley destroy Michael Nakazawa. We had the Dark Order defeat Jurassic Express, and then Luchasaurus came back. We had Darby Allen win in four minutes. We had Nyla Rose win in a minute and a half. By the way, John Moxley won in a minute and a half. And we had Awesome Kong cut off Allie's hair. This is, by far, you, you tell me if I'm wrong, because I think you've watched every one of them too, by far the weakest hour of Dynamite they've had on TV yet. Oh yeah, definitely. And again... I would bury this if it was WWE, so I'm not giving them a pass for this. This was a poorly paced show, because if they would have split some stuff in the second hour and brought it in the first hour and rearranged it, the show could have done very well and had one squash match this week and one next week. The good thing is they're they're building stars here, because Moxie already looks like a superstar. they got to get him a win on his record. He's beat Joey Janela and Kenny Omega in matches that have, haven't counted for him. They're giving Nyla Rose a win. They're building a storyline with the Dark Order and Jurassic Express. That's really cool. I'm really looking forward to that because they haven't done enough of that. They're doing promos. Darby Allen won in four minutes, which is dumb, but they continue the Janela Spears feud, and they let uh, Darby Allen cut an awesome 10-second promo. They got probably the one of the biggest pops of the night. I don't want to complain because they're doing good storytelling, and in the end... Pretty much all of this is going to, to turn out in a positive way. But boy, they just had to spread this stuff apart and watching. Like, I don't think there's been a single minute in Dynamite yet at all where I've looked at my phone and I'm like, all right, how much longer does this have? And in the first hour, I did that a couple times. 
And I'm like, man, like what, what is going on? You know, oh gosh, it's only 830. I feel like I've been watching this forever and it's only been 30 minutes. So I just, it was by far the weakest hour of Dynamite. It wasn't even close. If I'm a first time viewer of Dynamite and I come in as a WWE fan, as an NXT fan, TNA fan, even whatever, and I see this first hour, I don't know that I keep watching. I, I think it's more of the same that's going on. The second half of the show, I thought was very good going into that. It was that. great. Mm-hmm. The first half of the show was definitely the worst we've seen. Um, but, I mean, I won't say that it's worse than a lot of stuff you see in WWE nowadays. No, um, definitely not. But it just it wasn't up to snuff for what we've been seeing. Yeah. Um, but they're coming off a big pay-per-view. You know, they've got to build new stories. They had a lot of things wrapped up. Um, so I guess that would be difficult to do, but they, they could have paced the show differently, but it's it maybe being a little nitpicky, but it, it definitely was the worst hour we've seen of dynamite. I don't think it's nitpicky at all. I think it's more than fair to say because it was, it was weak. Like I was sitting there and every single week I look forward to dynamite. I don't look forward to Raw and SmackDown and I'm sorry. I watch it for you guys so I can tell you about it, but I don't look forward to it. I'm like, all right, it's on. I'll watch it, then I'll review it the next day. But Wednesday Night Dynamite, for me and my beautiful wife, it's appointment viewing. We go out of our way to make sure we're home to watch Dynamite. And every single week they've delivered. So I'm not going to give them crap for having, you know, for AEW a week show where it, you know, this is better than most Raws and SmackDowns we've seen in months. But it, it was poorly paced. If they would have put it together in a different way, and, and again, taking some of the segments from the second hour, put it in the first hour, and vice versa, I think it would have turned out okay. But anyway, we've ranted about this enough. Let's get on to something that was absolutely incredible, unless you want to add anything to this. No, I don't really have anything to add. I think we've okay. buried it enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, guys, we're not biased. <laughs> AEW World Champion Chris Jericho comes to the ring. Huge huge chance, which makes sense. He gets a thank you, a thank you chant, and he says, I don't want a thank you from you guys. I want a thank you from people that matter. And I tell you, Chris Jericho is so good because every time he comes out, he gets a huge pop. Everyone loves this man. But he can make people turn on him. And he is one of the best wrestlers on the microphone of all time. There's no way anyone could argue the other way. He's so good. It's just, I can't imagine, like, how many wrestlers, you could probably name them on two hands, in the past 10 years, 20 years even, that can control a crowd like Chris Jericho can. It's almost impossible. He's so good. But what was even better is the lights go out which I kind of hated. They're doing it too much. They did it three times on full gear. They did it at least twice tonight. No, three times tonight. This is the third time because it went out for uh, Awesome Kong and then it went out for Sean Spears. Yeah, this is too much. But the lights go out, Cody's music hits, and you see the smoke rise and, and a body come from the floor. And I'm like, well, this is kind of strange. This doesn't seem to be something that Cody should be doing just randomly. Yeah. And I also thought, that's probably not Cody. And then you hear booze. But you still can't see who it is. All you see is an outline. But the people live can see it. And then it zooms in on the face of Maxwell Jacob Friedman. 
And he comes out, and I said at full gear, MGF turn might have happened a little too soon, but he's going to cut a promo that's going to make everything worth it. And I'm not sure I believe that. Now, this segment was great, but his promo was a little strange. It was good, but it was a little strange. So basically what he said was Cody Rhodes, and he called him Rhodes, which was interesting. They called him Rhodes three times in this segment, so it was purposeful. It wasn't by accident. And he said, Cody Rhodes just wanted to keep me under his thumb. He said he wanted me to put he wanted to put me under his wing, wing, but he wanted to keep me under his thumb. He wanted to smash me under his thumb, and I won't go under anyone's thumb. I will not be Cody's puppet, which was really weird because Cody is the face and MGF is a clear heel. I was expecting MGF to come out and go, Yeah, I kicked him in the nuts because I'm MJF and I'm better than you. And I'm like, alright, that would make sense. I'm not going to complain because, again, it was unexpected. I like unexpected. It's not something that you see all the time. But if what MJF saying is true, which it wasn't, obviously, but if what he was saying is true, Cody Rhodes is the bad guy. So it was a very interesting take, and it makes you wonder, you know, MJF is a big, fat liar, but it makes you wonder if what he's saying is true. Now, we'll get to what he, he did with Jericho in a second, but what did you think about his promo on Cody? First of all... I think MJF's got more heel heat than anybody in the company right oh, now. Oh, yeah. He got booed out of the building when he Oh, yeah. Out. Well, people love Cody, but even before the Cody stuff, they hated his guts. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I like the direction they're going with the reason he turned and everything. I think they could have explained it better and had it a little bit more fleshed out. There right. have been better ways to do it, but I don't think it's bad. I, I don't dislike it. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily far-fetched for a person of his uh conceit i guess okay to think that he is all right in the situation and it's only because of cody that he did what he did it's not through his own volition or his own evilness you know it right. was all because of what cody did he could have just said that cody's wife is a voodoo woman and <laughs> went off of that and said hey i'm not hanging around with this dude anymore his wife is crazy yeah you see her the way she acts in the house but anyways you know i i I, I don't think it's terribly far-fetched to see it uh, from his perspective, but I don't think it's the best way they could have handled it. But, right. you know, it. I, the overall, I think the promo was great. Uh, we'll get into what he did with Chris, but MJF's, for being the age he is and, and as little as he's been in wrestling, I don't, I don't even know how long he's been wrestling. He's Just a age, couple 20, of years. Yeah. It's like 23, I think. Yeah. And he's, he's also already very good. Um, yeah, I don't even know that I've seen him wrestle yet. But... Uh, he has wrestled. He beat Brandon Cutler. I don't think the second week of Dynamite. Okay, he wrestled at Fight for the Fallen in an eight eight man tag. I think is what it was. Might have been six man tag. And yeah. uh, he wrestled it all in, but that's technically wasn't an AEW show. So yeah, I don't I don't know. He hasn't had a lot of matches, but he's he's good in the ring. But he's an incredible promo. I mean, he's just so yeah, good. I I've, I've already really appreciate him for his promo. Yeah, um, we can go into what he did with Chris, though, if you'd like. Okay. I do want to say one thing that he did say in his promo that I, I, I missed, I didn't mention. He said that Cody Rhodes didn't care about the people, and they booed him and chanted Cody. And then he goes, you can chant all you want. He's not here. And so he goes to Chris Jericho, and he said, Chris, I have a lot of respect for you. Matter of fact, if I had 
a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, you'd be like, I don't know, third or fourth. Chris Jericho kind of laughs. And he says, but Chris, I, I heard, heard a little a little story. Little Birdie told me that you wanted me to join the Inner Circle. Do you want me to join the Inner Circle, Chris? And Chris Jericho says, well, I don't know, Maxwell. Do you, do you want to join the Inner Circle? The MGF says, I don't know, Chris. Do you want me to join the Inner Circle? I don't know, Max. Do you want to join the Inner Circle? And they do this for a little while. MGF says, I'm not so sure I want to join this inner circle jerk. And I don't think I need you. And Chris Jericho says, well, to be honest, I, I actually think you kind of admire me. We both have three-letter names, both like scarves. And he said, it wouldn't surprise me. And I, I'm going to say what Chris Jericho said. It's not entirely PG, but it's not super dirty. It said on a PG-13 show. He said, it wouldn't surprise me if your parents got super horny watching me on WCW Saturday night destroying Juventud Guerrera. And this popped me so hard because I used to watch Chris Jericho destroy Juventud Guerrera. As a matter of fact, he beat him so many times, it almost became a joke. And Juve was the number two luchador behind Rey Mysterio in WCW. So it was it was very funny. And then chants, the too. crowd chants Hoovy, yeah. and MJF says, wait a minute, who is Hoovy? And I laughed so hard, it was so good. It's great. So they both are about to say who they think the biggest jerk is in AEW. And MGF says, you know who I think is the biggest jerk in AEW? And Chris Jericho says, no. Do you know Do you know who I think is the biggest jerk in AEW? And they say it back and forth, and the crowd's getting louder, and they're getting louder, and they're screaming, and they both pause, and they say out loud at the same time, Cody Rhodes! And they both laugh, and they both have a hug. And uh, it was very interesting, because I think we were to assume that MGF is not part of the inner circle. But he will have some sort of relationship with Chris Jericho in case that's needed. So I think this was a cool way to build it up. It put MGF over because he's in the ring with Chris Jericho. Chris is incredible, obviously. MGF is such a good promo. It, this whole segment was great. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I think this is three weeks in a row that we just have another classic promo. It's so good. Uh, you, had, you had the Moxley promo, then the Cody promo. Now you've got the MJF promo. Yeah. And again, the guy's the guy's 23. Yep. And he's going toe-to-toe with the best promo in the wrestling business, in my opinion. Yeah. And it, you, you don't notice a discrepancy in talent on what they're talking. I mean, the way they're they're, they're carrying their self. I mean, they're both fantastic. Right. Um, I, I love the spot where... Um, they're going back and forth, and he's like, crisscross applesauce, I think you want me in the inner circle. <laughs> I don't know if you missed that or not. but um, And then and then Chris goes back to him and is like, Maxwell, she shells, she shells by the seashore. <laughs> it was, it was, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was, it was a funny little moment. But I think this is a really good example of a scripted promo. Yeah. It's not 100% scripted, obviously. Yeah. They have an outline they have to follow. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't have this promo unless it's scripted. Exactly. Because uh, I don't know if you all know this, but it's, it's, it's not real. Um, this, they're not actually having this conversation, uh, you know, freeform They're they have an outline and through that outline, they're just, they're letting their stardom shine. Yeah. You know, now this is it's, descripted differently than in WWE though. WWE scripts it like in movies or it's word for word in AEW. Absolutely. It's not what you would consider a scripted promo. 
it'll be more of a free form promo where they go, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to, you know, talk to each other about the inner circle. You need to make a joke about Cody Rhodes and you need to hug. And then they take it from there. So it is scripted because wrestling is a scripted product. It's more free flowing, free form. It's not the WWE type of scripted promo. Yeah, absolutely. And it, promos like this are why I personally like wrestling. This is great. This entertained me just as much as any TV show I've seen. You know, the comedy in it is great. Um, especially since you know I, I grew up with wrestling, so it hits me more. Yeah. But it was it was really good. I like that it ended with them not being in the same stable. I like he didn't. I would have not liked if he joined the inner circle. Yeah, it would be. But I like that they kind of have an alliance. Right. You know. Um, it, it was, it was a great promo. They worked great together. Again, MJF, fantastic on the mic. He's going to get even better. Um, I, I can't say anything bad about this promo. It was, it was great. I can't say it was the best promo we've had in AEW. Right. But it, it's probably top three. Yeah. Really, really good. And this is really, you know, I mentioned earlier, Darby Allen and Riho are the two stars that AEW's made. This probably made MJF. If he follows this up next week with something strong, whether it be a match or a promo, he's going to start get his his reactions were already incredible. So he's going to get these huge reactions just from walking out on stage, just like Riho and Darby Allen do. Just walking in his interest, did you know him making fun of Cody's little gestures that he does and, yeah. and, and throwing on a smug face, mm-hmm. walking in the ring, kicking off his shoes? Yeah. It's, it's just the little things that he does are are something you see from an experienced wrestler. I know. He's so he's yeah. so good. So as they're hugging and laughing, Cody Rhodes appears on the ramp, and I say, well, "He's got dislocated ribs. He can't uh, can't do anything." But I'm incorrect. So one of two things has happened: either his injuries were not real. Obviously, the cut on his head is. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can fake that, but that was uh, very obviously real. But maybe either the rib thing isn't real, and he's selling it, or he's the toughest son of a gun in the world, and the doctors cleared him. Because even though he's an executive vice president, if the doctors say, you can't go out there, you can't go out there. That's the way it works in football and basketball and major sports. And the same thing in wrestling. If it's if it's a legitimate uh, issue that can cause a further injury, the doctor won't allow it. So I was really surprised at what happened next because the doctor comes out and he's like, no, no, Cody, you can't, you can't do this. And Cody doesn't care and bolts it to the ring. Now there's a big botch here. And if you've seen anything about AEW, you know that this happened. Chris Jericho uh, jumps onto Cody and Cody tries to go for a power slam, but he cannot lift him over. And Jericho kind of falls on him. Cody rolls through and I think he gets a couple punches in. Uh, MJF comes Cody knocks down MJF, and then Jericho comes back, and Cody actually hits the power slam this time. Got a pretty big pop. It, it was a pretty big botch, but botches happen, and that's fine. And if he is having a, any kind of rib injury, I can understand why it would be very difficult to do a power slam. I don't know why yeah, he chose a power slam. That's silly. Honestly, first viewing, I didn't even notice it was a botch. I thought it was kayfabe that he, his ribs just couldn't take it. Yeah. You know, he tried the power bomb and his, his ribs gave out on him just like, uh, in, in the last pay-per-view when, uh, Nick Jackson tried to get the springboard yeah. and his leg gate out. I, I, 
That's what I thought initially, but it, looking at second viewing, it was a bot. Yeah, especially since they redid the worked. spot immediately. Yeah. So, uh, but Wardlow comes out, and Wardlow is the giant friggin' man that we've been seeing for a couple months. Beats the snot out of Cody, and so now he is basically MGF's enforcer, which should probably be good. I think that it will. Uh, Cody's uh, he after he beats up Cody a little bit, he takes off Cody's tie, or maybe he takes off his own, I can't remember. Either way, he ties it around Cody's neck, slings Cody over the top rope, and hangs him over the top with his tie. And then the referees come out, the security comes out, they break it up, and they help Cody to the back. And MGF stands tall with Wardlow. Yeah, I, um, I'd... I I know I'd seen the promos of Wardlow before, but they were forgettable to me. I had forgotten about them, and I had the same reaction Jr. did. He comes in like, "Who's that? Yeah. I, I don't know who this guy is." Um, for all I know, he's an evil Alfred. From what? Batman. Um, he, I, I, <laughs> he looks like a butler. That's what I'm saying. He's he's MJF's Alfred, and that's probably what I refer to him as now. But uh, we're definitely gonna see a, a match between him and Hager at some point because they just look like yeah. a p- perfect matchup. But anyways, uh, he comes in, going back to Cody coming in, so like you said, one or two things happen. If Cody's actually injured, right. I don't like that he came out, okay? I, he's the executive vice president. He should set a precedent to his guys like, hey, look, if you're injured, take some time off. A lot of issues we've seen from wrestling throughout the years are people fighting through injuries. And if you're actually injured, you need to take the time off and rest, okay? And on the other hand... If he's not actually injured, well, then that just breaks the story for me. The whole reason that I loved the Cody Jericho match, one of the main reasons, was because Cody's fighting through an injury the whole time. You know, he has that bad spot where he busts his head open. But not only that, he separates his ribs or whatever they said happened to him. Dislocated ribs. And he takes two lines of that, which is ridiculous to me. But the fact that the fact that he came out, he did the power bomb. I mean, if he would have came out and did some, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin after he was injured kind of stuff, just just traded a few punches, rolled out of the ring, you know, that that would have been okay. But you know, it's it's broken the illusion now for me. Um, and either way, you know, like he buried Seth Rollins after he comes out of the Brock Lesnar, it was yep. stupid. He comes out in the ring against two guys. He's injured. Yep. He just lost. I understand he's upset, but it was just stupid. It, it, it didn't have it, it, it. And not only that, he's part of a stable. You know, if yeah. you're going to come out, bring the Young Bucks, which they're injured, I know. Bring Adam Page. Bring Kenny Omega. Bring your voodoo doctor wife and her animal Kong. You know, I, I, just, I didn't like that. That's the only thing about this promo I didn't like. I didn't like Cody coming out. I think it would have been better if they would just ended it, stopped it there. I know they want to introduce Wardlow. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it. I think if you're going to fault WWE for it, you got to fault AEW for the same thing. It doesn't make any logical sense for Cody to come out. He's injured. He's obviously not going to win. We've, and not only that, we've yeah. seen this like, what, five or six times now? Yeah. Cody getting upset and running into the ring and attacking somebody. The only difference here it's, it's getting is a little played when out. Seth Rollins came out, he was limping to the ring. And he he with a chair. He can't even lift the chair. He can't even climb the ropes. Cody could do that, and Cody showed passion. Where Seth Rollins just came out, and I know I'm biased against Seth Rollins, but he just looked like he was dead, like he was already beat up when he came out there. 
where Goaty at least appeared strong. He ran to the ring, even though we know he has rib issues, or at least he's supposed to. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem with him coming out against MJF and Jericho. But because he's the big baby face, I mean, he as Kyle said, he reminds me of Sting. He reminds him of Sting, and I see where that comes from. I can see Sting doing something like this. But yeah, I I do understand what you're saying. He has done that quite a bit. But the di- another good thing that I did like about this is if this was WWE, Cody Rhodes would have came out. The doctor would have said, "No, you can't go out." The crowd would have booed. Cody would have turned around and walked to the back. Well, there's no invisible wall here, like he said a couple weeks ago. That's true. And so that's why he attacked. Very similar to last week where, you know, oh, the two teams, you know, they've brawled for a while and we're going to, you know, take them apart and then we're going to fade to black. No, Matt Jackson's like, I'm not done fighting. So he goes and he attacks Chris Jericho. So that invisible wall that exists in WWE doesn't exist here. So I do do want to give him props for that. But I do understand where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree with that because I did like this part. But I do understand where you're coming from because I I I totally get the analogy. Next, we have Pac versus Hangman Page, which is listed as a rubber match. And I will tell you that this is the rubber match. But we were just told on full gear like a hundred times over that that was the rubber match because Hangman Page had the win in the tag match. And I'm like, well, that's not the, that doesn't count. It never counts in wrestling. And I was right because they had a rubber match three days after their pay-per-view match. Now, you never want to complain about having Pac and Hangman Page in a ring. They are both incredible. Pac might be, dare I say it, the best worker in AEW. I think you can make an argument about that. Hangman Page is incredible. He's so good. This match was great. I'm not going to knock it. It was really good. It wasn't as good as their pay-per-view match. But I hated the ending. And I'll tell you how the ending went, and then, Mikey, you can give me your, your opinion. So it goes through a it goes through a commercial, which is fine. So Hangman Page hit a buckshot lariat on Pac and only got a two, account, two count. And the reason that bothers me is because they've just really been pushing this this finisher, and like, but only for a couple weeks, and they're trying to build it, and now it's crapped all over again. But again, this is a big match. I kind of get it, but even though I disagree with it, they had the same spot where uh, Pac tried to kick Hangman Page in the balls, and Hangman caught him, which makes sense. But at the end, Pac hit the Black Arrow on Adam Page, and then locks in the Brutalizer, and then the referee calls for the bell. And this is after Pac has like stomped on Adam Page's head like eight times, and the ref's pulling him away, threatening to disqualify him. Thank God he didn't. Like, because I was really worried. I'm like, please don't pull a WWE. Please don't pull a WWE because they almost did here. Pac got the win, and I think Pac should have won at full gear. I'm okay with him winning here. Another complaint, and again, this match was great. I don't want to crap all over it. I know I kind of am. This is 50-50 booking. This is what happens in WWE. One guy wins, and they have another a rematch on Raw or SmackDown, and the other guy wins. Yeah. And I, I don't want to complain about two of the best wrestlers in the world today getting in the ring again together. The match was terrific, but it, there's just so many little nitpicky things that really bothered me about this. Yeah, I, I had the same issues you did. This match, if you're just watching this match from a technical standpoint, you're watching this match for a wrestling match. If it were a clip on YouTube, if it were th- maybe three weeks down the road, it's a fantastic match. 
it honestly it it might be better than their pay-per-view match in my opinion uh right they had a, a great spot where um he he uh throws pack under the ropes he stops on the ropes he throws adam page over page flips over to do a buckshot lariat uh pack does a super kick he blocks it he's a super kick again and pack does an elbow strike or no then adam page has an elbow strike pack does a suplex he just tries to do another suplex yeah. page reverses it into the lariat and that's the lariat that we saw that he kicked out of. yeah that should have been the match right there either way it was a great match Pack's great. He's I was noticing today he's super jacked. I mean, yeah. he's like he's like Eddie Guerrero jacked towards the end of his right. life. Like he's that that kind of build to me. I mean, he's a smaller guy, but good he's, lord. Yeah. I mean, but and and Paige is is great. I really like Paige. He reminds me a lot of DDP, really. It's because of the um, last name. Which it's it's the last name <laughs> in the long hair, probably. But they're they're both very good. I just don't like the story this match tells because you had this this feud basically that should have ended at at the pay per view. I mean, right. you had Adam Page coming up. I mean, it's like decide who they want to push. You know, right. are they pushing Adam Page or are they pushing Pack? Because Adam Page w- had a lot of momentum coming off the pay per view. Okay, Pack either way would have been fine because he's done great so far in AEW. Yeah. But that pushed Adam Page to the next level, I felt. Yeah. Then three days later, they're like, nah. And then they just buried Adam Page, and Pack really doesn't look any better to me because he just lost. Yeah, it's really weird booking. It's, it doesn't, not like, it's not consistent with what they've been doing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where they're going with it. I, I would have loved this match if it would have been two or three weeks down the road. Um, yeah. If they would have built towards it more, Pack having cutting a promo, maybe uh, ba- basically arguing for a rematch, maybe Pack beating somebody else in the elite, which I don't see anybody else in there. He could, but yeah. And then and then Page coming to rescue and losing, but I just I didn't I didn't like the story of the match told. I thought it threw away a lot of the story they were building to. Maybe they'll do something with it. It doesn't appear as if they are. It just seemed like they kind of regretted their decision, really. Yeah. And wanted to give Pack the win. I hope it's just over now. Like, I love these guys, and I love watching them wrestle, but let's move on. It's fine. They can wrestle again in a couple months to a year when things are different, but right now they they both need to move on for the betterment of both of their careers. Absolutely. So we go backstage, and the Young Bucks are fighting Santana and Ortiz. They're not wrestling. They are fighting they're fighting backstage, and we get a couple cool spots. We get one spot where it's Santana. He jumps off the top of, I don't even remember what it was. Do you remember? The forklift. Yeah, forklifts. Much better use of the forklift than Raw did, where you know <laughs> Rollins just stood on it and pinned Eric Rowan. Jumps off the top. When these guys are brawling for a while, they attack Nick Jackson's knee again. It's really cool. There's one awesome spot, <laughs> and it's so good. Santana throws Nick Jackson into a bathroom door and it swings open and Orange Cassidy is just standing there with his shades and his hands in his pockets and the crowd goes nuts. And that that might have been the biggest pop of the night. Yeah. And so Santana just like steps over Nick, grabs the door and just slowly closes it. And it was so funny. And I love these kind of little bit parts of comedy and wrestling. Because yeah, when it makes sense in a real fight, 
No, but it was just so good. I just loved it so much. They fought for a while. They go out onto the stage. Um, they put Nick's knee into one of the one of the pieces of the stage, and they're stomping on it. And then they pick Matt up and they throw him through the through the ground, kind of like they did um, uh, Ricky Morton. And it was the exact same. Is the exact same spot, which is fine. Maybe that's their thing. But it was the exact same spot, except for this time, uh, I believe it was Santana. Uh, spray painted a circle on it so like a target and then brandon cutler comes out and kind of covers up nick and like all right no problem we'll leave and then ortiz which made it made me pop huge on the anniversary of the day that eddie guerrero died ortiz says guess what we lied just like eddie used to and they go and they're beating up brandon cutler and then Private Party comes out, makes the save, and uh, Santana and Ortiz, you know, they go away. And then immediately, immediately, we get a match graphic that says, next week, Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz, which is going to be great. But if that's not the most WWE thing AEW has ever done. Yeah, they did not need to have that there. They could have announced I mean, it on their social media like 15 minutes yeah. after the show, and it would have had the same effect. After the commercial break. Yeah. I mean, immediately. It really bothered me. Yeah, and I didn't like that at all. I was like, wait, hold on. They, like, they had a graphic designer back there just chugging away, just getting this graphic ready. I mean... It's like, guys, private party's yeah. out there. You need to make it. you got 30 seconds. All right, I'm on it. Yeah, this it, it made it seem like this whole segment was to set up the private party Santana-Ortiz match, which is what it was. Yeah. Um, and this segment was good. I'm not, good. I'm not hating on the segment. It was just a weird... Like, I don't like the whole, oh, the graphics already prepared kind of thing. If, if honestly, if they wouldn't have had the spot with Orange Cassidy, I wouldn't have liked this segment. Because, again, I'm I'm thinking the brawls are getting played out. They've had them almost every week now. Which, you know, it's a big thing in wrestling, especially when you have two sailors yeah. going against each other. But, I mean, it's it's a little played out. And you get a lot of the, you know, swinging of arms that aren't really doing anything. Yeah. And, and you've literally had the same spot they did on Rock and Roll Express. But, you know, it, I can... I can forgive it this time because, you know, you had the great spot with Orange Cassidy. It was hilarious. I love comedy and wrestling. I, don't, I do too, as I long as it's done well. I don't think people should take wrestling so seriously that they can't enjoy the comedy spots like that. My two favorite spots of the night were Chris Jericho and MJF and then the Orange Cassidy spot. I, I just really enjoy comedy and wrestling. I, th- I think that's one of my favorite things about it. I do too. Yeah, and again, as I said, as long as it's done well, it's really good. So next we have the main event. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Jake Hager slash Jack Swagger versus SCU, Frank Gazarian and Scorpio Sky with Christopher Daniels. Now, this match wasn't very long either. It was 11 minutes, I think. Yeah, I think it was about 11. Yeah. Um, it could have been very long because when they all got in the ring, there was only 14 minutes left in the show. So, uh, but this match pretty much ended the show. So... Sammy Guevara did a lot of the work in this match, which is totally fair because Chris Jericho is 49 years old and he looks like a Spanish God, as Chris Jericho says. So this is the first time that Frank Kazarian and Chris Jericho has ever been in a ring together. And Chris Jericho has been wrestling for, I think, 29 years and Frank Kazarian for 22. So they got to, they got to face off for a little bit. It was good. Kazarian got a leg guillotine. It was, it, was, it was a very interesting spot. The two of them did a great job. But all that matters, all that you need to know, 
and or there was one spot where Christopher Daniels, uh, Jack Swagger hit, I think, Scorpio Sky, and Christopher Daniels came in to the suicide g- g- dive on Jack Swagger, who basically caught him and th- just threw him into the friggin' barricade. But all that matters is that Scorpio Sky does an inside cradle on Chris Jericho for the one, the two, the three. And Chris Jericho's unblemished AEW record now has a blemish, and he is seven and one. What'd you think? So I don't know how I feel about this match. I've I've watched it twice now, and I still don't know how I feel about this match. I don't I don't know I don't know why this match happened. Okay. I I, I don't I. I I only thing I can think of is they're pushing Scorpio Sky because he's he's very over right now as well. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, for him to pin the champion, that just shoots him through the moon. But why? I assume he'll probably get a title shot. Why? Why Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara over the actual tag team in that's, the inner circle? That's what other people have said. I think the only argument is because Chris Jericho wants to be the double champion, but it was it was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Through the whole match, um, Jericho came off as cocky. He almost came off a little bit drunk, if I'm being honest. Had a little <laughs> bit too much of the bubbly. Um, it, 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 I, I, which I think is a, a funny way to tell a story in the match, and he always seems to tell a story. But he, he came off as overconfident. Um, and, and I like what AEW does, and I've seen it several times now, when a tag team faces off against two individual wrestlers, the tag team wins. You can be two better Correct. individual wrestlers, but if you're facing a good tag team and has experience together, yeah, the tag team should that. win. You can't put two people that don't – I mean, they have tagged, I think, once before. But it, it's just because he's the champion doesn't mean he's going to win a tag match, and I think that was his overconfidence going into it. Um, you see, I think it was the the codebreaker he put great. on uh, Scorpio Sky. I think commentary, I think commentary could have done a little bit better. Uh, no. He didn't seem like he got the whole thing. Um, really, and and that that also again told a good story, and then of course, uh, Scorpio Sky does the most over move in wrestling, yeah. the surprise roll up, and I think he's actually won a couple matches with that. I if can't you look remember. back, um, which again it it talks into his overconfidence going into the match and his face afterwards. Yeah, Chris Jericho is practice. freaking um, out after the match. He is a he's a fantastic actor. Um, going through, it reminded me so much of his WCW uh-huh, days. How whiny and and much of a brat that he was. I mean, actually, I saw a GIF compared to one of his. He had a freak out in WCW. This like shot for <laughs> shot for this. I mean, he grabs the chair. He starts hitting the, the one of the. He gets one of the barriers. Yep, he basically takes the, the chair, barrier and drags he, it to he, the side of the ring and grabs the chair and starts yeah. attacking it. And then. He, <laughs> He, he's hitting metal with metal, which is not doing anything. And then he starts hitting the apron. Um, he's yeah. just throwing a tantrum. And it's great because that's who Chris Jericho is in AEW yeah. so far that we've seen. Um, it, and I I loved it. I mean, I didn't like – I don't like how, why the match occurred or how the match occurred. But I loved the match. I loved what happened after the match. Um, JR finally got Tope Suicida <laughs> right, JR. by the way. Um, he gave it a second He gave, he gave it a second shot on, yeah. on this, this match, and uh, he got it right. But yeah, it was um, it was it was a good match. I think it actually did tell a good story with Jericho being overconfident. I did not expect him to get the roll up, uh, the the, no. win, the the pin. I mean, uh, everybody thought that 
Sammy Guevara. Also, mm-hmm. speaking of Sammy Guevara, are they going to start calling him oh, Sammy God, G? Because it's given yeah, me a I little bit not. of PTSD. No, please don't. Because every time they're like Sammy G, I think Shorty <laughs> G, and and I can't, I, I can't do it. I really hope I can't deal with it. Also, they had a great spot in the in the match that I didn't talk about that uh, where Sammy Guevara like lays out like oh, his yeah. Spanish God pose, and then Jericho comes comes in the ring and puts his um his his chin on his on his fist it's and just so poses good. for the camera. It was great. I love Sammy Guevara. And they Chris really Jericho are together. good. They are they perfect. play off each other very well. But yeah, it was it was a great match. I don't like that it did happen, but now that yep. I'm not really that upset that it did. I thought going into it that I was going to hate it, but yeah, it was it was actually well. Good. I do want to point out before we grade the show is that uh, one of our one of our followers on Facebook, Trent, he basically said, and I'm not going to read it word for word, but he basically said that he had the day off, so he was going to give AEW a chance. One of the one of his complaints is it seems like some of the wrestlers were just standing around waiting to get hit by a move. It happens, it happens all the time in AEW. Happened multiple times a night. And I'll tell you, like there was one spot where I looked at my beautiful wife and I said, How long do I have to stare at Pac's butt? Because he was sitting there like trying to get his balance and Hangman Page was just standing there staring at him. And like, for example, the Moxie Omega match at full gear, which was awesome. But there was one spot where Kenny's doing his Terminator thing, and Moxley's staring at him. And JR's like, oh, it looks like Moxley's waiting, you know, just waiting for him to come and, you know, to do a counter. But no, Kenny Omega just comes out and suicide dives him straight through the table. So they do that a lot. And they do that a lot in indie wrestling, but if you're going to be the second biggest wrestling company in the world, you gotta you got to tighten some of that stuff up. I think it's fair. And thank you for pointing that out, Trent. And I'm sorry that you picked this week's AEW. I know we've complained a lot, and we're going to grade it in a second. I don't think it was as... If it was a WWE show, if this was Raw, it would get a better grade. Because I, I grade AEW more harshly because the other shows have been so good. So please give it another shot next time you're off on a Wednesday. But yeah, you picked the wrong week to watch Dynamite Man. Because a lot of little nitpicky things happened. The first hour was kind of weak. Yeah. So, but yeah, AEW is usually really good. So, Micah, if you're going to grade this week's show, not AEW as a whole, which we love, this week's show, what would you grade it? So I will say this is definitely the weakest show we've seen overall. Not even the first hour. The first hour is the weakest AEW hour at all. Right. Overall, the show, I think, is the weakest AEW show I've seen, Um, which is not saying that much, really. I mean, they've all been fantastic. I'm, I'm loving this show. I'm enjoying liking wrestling. I would say if I had to give it a letter grade, probably probably like a B minus. Okay. You know, I, I, just because, I mean, I haven't been on, a, I've only been on one other show and that was the pay per view and it was it was fantastic. It got an A. Yeah. If if I were to grade all the AEWs, they'd probably be from B plus to A. I don't think this is quite good enough to be one notch below those. I think it's maybe two notches below. So I'm gonna go with a B minus. Okay. That's fair. That's literally the grade I was going to give, but I, so, but I am going to explain why. The second hour was very strong. The Chris Jericho versus, versus MJF stuff was great. Pac versus Hangman Page was really good. The main event was good. And there's little nitpicky things, but I can overlook the nitpicky things. I know in the second hour I, nit, I, nitpicky, I nitpicked a lot. 
but I'm, I'm okay with these little things because I trust AEW because they've been doing a very good job. And any other things that I've been nitpicky about, they've come through most of the time. But this first hour was just rough. And you can't have all that on one hour of a show because if that was all people watched, they would probably tune out. So again, it was fine, but it just the first hour wasn't great. The second hour opened up incredibly well with MJF and Jericho, but I just I really didn't like the first hour. And if I had never seen AE, just as you mentioned, if I had never seen AEW before, and I watched the first hour, I might be like, eh, I'm not missing anything, and I'd turn it off or switch to NXT, which is on at the same time. So I I, I do get the complaints people had this week, um, and I will echo those. I believe that next week will be better because this is this was not a bad show, okay? Raw was a bad show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about that too. Compared to the other dynamites, it just it there wasn't much to it. There wasn't much to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode 62 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging in with us. I know this episode was pretty long. We appreciate it. We had a lot to go over. Wanted to tell you about some of the, the great things and some of the shortcomings of, of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. You can follow my good buddy Chris at Wrestle Life Hill, my cousin Kyle at Kyle.Pauly. That's Chris on Twitter, Kyle on Instagram, and me on both at Wrestle Life Matt. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can listen to us anywhere. You're listening to us right now, obviously, but you can do that on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please like, share, subscribe, and most importantly, please tell your friends. We really appreciate you guys spreading the word. Our average uh, listener count per episode has been going up steadily, and we really appreciate that. That's only happening because of you, and we really appreciate it. I also want to point out that we're contemplating doing a mailbag where you guys send us questions, and if that's something that you're interested in, please let us know, leave a comment below, or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Maybe not Twitter, we don't check it as much, but on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll get those answered for you. It sounds like a lot of fun, and we'd love to do it. Micah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I hope you all have an absolutely, absolutely, Absolutely wonderful day. Absolutely.